Welcome to The Last Draw, the art battle podcast where three creators battle it out each week in Procreate while discussing their favorite topics in comics, video games, and animation. This week's topic is... Disney Pixar's Soul. Oh, hi guys. How are you? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just okay, Joe? Yes, I've been moved... I've been I've moved rooms, so I'm I'm unfamiliar. Yeah. Well, my 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 house has many rooms. I I've I occupy but a few, and the rest go unvisited. Mm-hmm. Wow! <laughs> you just you made me you made me think of that. That was a good reference. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. I can be profound. Yes. Like I I can I can be a poet. I I wrote in poet laureate under my name in my yearbook. No one put it in, but I I, I felt it. So I so I added it. And speaking of things with heart, the movie Soul had a lot of it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, stop I'm being a- so cynical. A- you're you're gonna have your dick. like you're gonna have your moment he's one day. Such an asshole. You're gonna be sitting like, somewhere and I something's so gonna happen. I so hard to be everything for him. He's gonna uh, reach like the age where like the commercial comes on where the dog gets really old and can't get up in the car and he's just gonna be like, Oh my god. And you're, you know what he is? No, you know who he I already is? Cried he's that, he's that old oh, okay. man that goes up to a parked Corvette and screams uh-huh. at it, slow down, this is a neighborhood. He's that guy. I already do that too. Get off my lawn. Listen. <laughs> Listen, like, why are you so mean to me? Because like, those uh, puns, man. I was about to say I'm a father of two. That's why they call me officially the a father of two? It's the bits, and Here I don't come bits. up with puns like that. It's the bits. It's the puns. <laughs> the bits. <laughs> I thought like I'm gonna make um, a sticker bit. called the bits now. Nah, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna mail podcast. you. I'm gonna mail you like the 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 little ends of the French fries. The little the bits. ends, yeah, just the little the bits, fried just bits, the bits, just, uh, the, just the bits. And and the or, you could, or you could send me really a box small. of, or you could send me a box of Tim bits. Tim bits. Oh boy. Yeah. The hell is a Tim bit? <laughs> it's like a donut hole. Yeah, it's like a, it's okay. like a pastry yeah. thing. I, I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm in a mood today, you guys. Like, Everybody's I, in a mood. I'm in a mood too. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> be in this kind of mood, though. We're in, we're not. I'm just ended. She's. Yeah. Oh no! Whenever I get too emotional about something, I turn Mm -hmm. like I go hard left and and start getting super inappropriate. And since Wandavision made me cry, but now we're talking about soul. It's like calm that down. Let's talk about all the little bits, all the little yeah, the little bits, the little bits of this very cool movie with Jamie Fox as uh, as the lead. He plays a that was Jamie Fox Ray Charles. What? What? Yeah, he played Ray Charles. He played Ray Charles. Yeah. Uh, I loved him in that movie. <laughs> that was so out of context. <laughs> it has to do with music. Ray Charles, yes. music, soul. Oh my God. So it could circle Don't back. Don't just start in. throwing out black names. <laughs> no, I was talking about the music. <laughs> that was so funny. I'm sorry. Just the way you said it made me laugh. It wasn't what you said. That, what you said was correct, but just the way you threw it out as if my, it was an My mind works no. in a very particular I was like, way. Oh, okay. <laughs> you you are a tapestry, but like I know, like I genuinely did not know that Jamie Foxx was the lead. I thought that um, it was another actor that I couldn't put my finger on. But now that I actually hear it back in my head, yeah, and he sounded less recognizable. Which, if he would have sounded like himself, the way I know him, it would have taken mm-hmm. me out of the story. So, yeah. so I'm actually pretty no, yeah, I agree. That was good. Maybe it's because he's getting older. I don't know. Like Ray Charles. God. Stop! Just <laughs> getting dead, dead as hell. And I'll let one of you guys go first. Like, what did you think of the whole story, like as a whole? 
Like, 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 what did it give you as a takeaway? I thought it was, I mean, just endlessly entertaining. I thought it was at the whole, the whole concept of him chasing this dream that he was already living as a teacher, I think. Uh, just the, that whole thing of having to prove himself and be like his dad. Um, and then when he finally got it, realizing that his gift yeah. was to be the mentor, I just, everything about it was uh, so interesting. And um, I, I, lo- I loved it visually. Um, I really thought the uh, the concept of when they go, um, you know, when they're going up the little stairs to heaven or you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the afterlife, the good place. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's well, another well good done. show. I like that. Yeah. But um, just the expanse of the universe and just everything they tried to show was very clever. I loved the little wire characters. That were like taking all of the little souls and like getting them ready for getting their. It was almost like getting their little merit badges or their little Girl Scout badges and Boy yeah. Scout badges of like what they're going to be interested in and what they're going to do. I just thought it was a really interesting concept of creating personalities. I didn't care for the part where they were like ushering them into like specific personality realms in the beginning like yeah you're gonna be a snotty you're gonna be a goody and baddie or whatever that i didn't really care for that i thought that that could have been maybe left out but everything else was great and the cat is just the best <laughs> oh, when they go back down to earth and they're they're they're, cat. they're switched in the different bodies it just what oh, happened to so the cat <laughs> in, the, in the void oh so good um yeah i mean um, of course, I like the musicality of it all. Yeah. The the concept of live your life is uh, is is a good take in this particular version of it. Um, the the whole it's a beautiful life concept that mm-hmm. has been carried so many times. I think it's a good version of that. Casting's good. Obviously, Jimmy Fox is great in in a lot of musical roles, uh, mm-hmm. besides his acting roles, that kind of thing. Um, the representation that you see in the in the movie is really good i mean it's mm-hmm. it's just all around just a it's a solid movie there's a reason it got like 95 percent. the character development the character design character development was, was good. outrageous I mean, it was so good it's it, really good they're getting i mean all the way down to like so... the the hippie guy that uh <laughs> the one inside manning the ship yeah it was yeah, so I'm great trans yeah so freaking yeah funny. yeah uh that i haven't open chuckled in a long time uh for, especially animated stuff I, I really love animated films but i find the humor to be to kind of fall flat sometimes mm-hmm. and that was just such an easy cheap way of of just eliciting a, a quick chuckle because it was just such a easy it was nice simple humor and there was a, yeah, are you in some kind of transe- transcendental state? He's like, yeah, kind of. And, <laughs> and he's just flipping sides on the corner. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I could see that. Like, that that's what was funny is because it was relatable because you see that, mm-hmm. yeah, especially in the city yeah. or something like that. That's what yeah, that's what that guy's doing. Yeah. You know, and it, I, that was a good, like, everything about that was, oh, yeah, that's, it's it's almost like a city story in a in a way that you see a lot in some comic books or short stories and things like that. It was, it was kind of neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I, I thought it was good. It's a strong movie for yeah. sure. Yeah. I love the um mm. there was like a real subtle character. Um he was only on screen for a little bit but Dez, the barber, mm-hmm. 
holy moly he was yeah. super cool and the way that he just sort of came out on the stoop and like talked to um um oh no the main character hold on <laughs> i'm gonna let you do joe you, do joe gardner yeah that's joe i should yeah. remember that that's joe that's joe, <laughs> that's joe. but um yeah, the way he joe. talks to joe about just like living life and just living your best life doing what comes natural and it just was so good Loved it. It was a human, it was a very human film. It wasn't preachy. Yeah, You didn't see a lot of the preaching stuff. There was a little bit of it. There was a little, like, um, passive preaching with the the way that they showed how uh, outside, outside, you know, happenings or stimuli can can lead to anxiety, which is where, you Mm -hmm. know, when the characters kind of go to that dark place or whatever. it turns into that mm-hmm. and how it can balloon or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was, I don't want to say that's, that's, it's not derivative is the wrong way to say it, but it's definitely a, you've seen it in other, you've seen that way visualized other ways before. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was the only thing I was like, eh, I like the lighthearted. Are you talking of, about like the end where she's kind of going into despair and, she, and when they're going yeah, through you that, saw like, that sea in, area? Yeah. Yeah. You saw that in other Pixar films, even, mm-hmm. you know, where there's like this dark place and you got to escape from it and all this other kind of thing. There wasn't really any, anything to denote like embracing that or moving through it. It was just more of an escape that type scenario. Right. Like I think it kept people, the story clean. How people who have anxiety and deal with it on a daily basis, how do they deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't do that enough, but I don't think it's, I don't think it took away from the humanity that you saw in the film. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah. Like the barbershop, he's like, yeah, I was trying to be this, but you know, this happens instead. And I don't know. I feel great doing this. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 see that nice, um, not lighthearted or it's not too slice of life, but it's just it's just kind of people being people, and they animated it really really well mm-hmm. in that in that moment that you see uh, that you don't see a lot of people actually talking about, and to hear it from, and not to not to bring too much of it in it, but to, to to see it from people of color is actually kind of important. Yeah. Because you don't see that a lot. Um, you don't see a lot of that in media because honestly, in some cases, you don't really see it a lot in real life. You know, so I, I thought it was kind of nice to see that. So maybe that'll maybe I don't know if that was the point, but it was good to see it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, sure. Can I weigh in here? Because um, I have a lot to say about the particularly the barber sure. shop yeah, yeah, scene. Of course. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. talk about it as a whole first. Uh, but but that'll be what I lead into. Uh, overall, I thought that it was absolutely brilliant. Like like from the way that they portrayed jazz to the way that they portrayed students of music. Some like how it can be something you have to overcome if you're talented at something because people will still give you crap for being good at something and disappearing into it. That was something that was so a part of being a kid. When I was younger, like where like kids would like kids that were unfocused would make fun of hyper focused mm. kids, the ones that already knew what they wanted. Like like that was a regular thing when I was a kid. Uh, nothing like even when it came to art, like the kids that would just spend all of our time drawing, like people would, you know, say like they would call us nerds or geeks or say like we need to come outside and mm-hmm. and things like that. So like I really liked that they kind of touched on that a bit, but 
my like one i like that this is an african american centered mm-hmm. story and that they were honest about what that experience is in this movie because you do have the and it's not a trope it's the the realistic point of view of the black mothers yeah. and family like of saying like you need to have a paycheck you need to have a pension you have to take care of yourself you cannot do like these super creative right. endeavors because they aren't going to lead you to where you you where you can be taken right. care of because there is a very real fear in the black community of being poor oh, yeah. and being unable to take oh, care yeah. of yourself in an For older sure. age and so they go into these safeguard careers like uh, you know medicine um like like banking like yeah, things course. like that uh, not there's anything wrong with those jobs but i'm saying like they don't go for their bliss right. but due to lack of faith that it will yeah. all pan out and that's in reflected in yeah and immigrant because, and, culture all that stuff yeah and that's what i've uh, that's what i've had to struggle with yeah. all my life the fact that i chose to go for you know this artistic right. career that i always also wanted to be a musician i had to fight tooth and nail you know just to like you know attempt to be a musician when i was younger and like that's just because of the family that i grew up in i had a grandmother that was just like no like like you like i believe in you but like we we really want you to be like have those have those be more like my my parents like your main focus yeah and and it's purely out of fear it's out of fear of the unknown it's it's out of fear of the things that they don't understand like the creative uh, um the creative Hmm. arts community and and the business of that is not something that a lot of black families know about besides like the hyper fa- uh the hyper explained like what's the word i'm looking for the hyped up hip-hop world mm. like that's it and that's that's pipe dreams what yeah. i'm talking about is like the day-to-day grind of being an yeah. artist and mm-hmm. getting a paycheck and or yeah. the day-to-day grind of being or a writer yeah kind of the yeah like there are creative fields that are often oft not explored right. in the black mm, community yeah. that they don't know the inner workings of and so we they don't encourage us to explore those out of fear it's great to see and like you said earlier it's great to see like the working musician mm-hmm. and kind of seeing yeah. that like even in the field of and coming from my experience from from music and yours Aza, you you've seen that before where somebody who's yeah. extremely creative and wanted to get that one gig or to get that one house house role and then they get it and then it's like yeah, this is work, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah, it's it a grind. Like, just because like, you're not. Like yeah. the, the the goal the goal for me was to uh, be a ballet studio pianist. Yeah. Oh, like like yeah. like to where like that was what I was going to do, and it was going to be mm-hmm. a, a everyday thing. I go and I get a paycheck. I'm on payroll, and I just go around to every single class in yeah. a company according to like whatever whatever variations they were doing because i i was a ballet dancer i knew what that world yeah. was so and I, and I was a, a good pianist so like that was that was the ultimate goal for me and that would have been a steady um taxable mm-hmm. paycheck mm-hmm. and and that came with benefits so yeah. like you know but but that's not a world that they could see they they think that if you want to be a pianist or a musician you need a recording contract or you're going well. to be broke and that's and that's not, not what it is. Yeah. Like like it really is a business with yeah. many. And I think facets, they presented that reality like, really yeah. well. And I think they presented him with that choice really well. Because they didn't say it was a bad thing. It just said it was just not his thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not something that you see a lot of the time. Again, but from the perspective of somebody who's from a family of like immigrants and stuff like that, oh yeah, you know, you get a job. Oh, you want to do this? You gotta make money doing it. And I think 
Well, it's I, th- become, I think that comes from the yeah, same place. Yeah, it comes place. from the same kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I it comes from the same place of yeah. worry of 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 not mm-hmm. having not having access and believing that your children won't have that access. I think it also did a good job of alleviating or at least assuaging the cynicism that I had in watching that, that whole kind of, you get that a lot of people like to feel like those squishy, the squishy ideas of, Oh, you get to choose your own life. You know, don't waste it. It's like, not always, but I think they also did a good job of, of confronting that as lightly and as humanly as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, letting him have that gig and then him coming to the realization that this is a job. This might not be the thing that you were actually, the, you may have over romanticized this a little bit guy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and well, that, that's the yeah. reality. Yeah. They didn't end it with him getting the gig. And that's, that's the important part because if they had ended that, then I would have said, eh, this movie's, you know, it's too squishy. My cynic, of course, the cynical viewer, uh, especially an artist or something, might be like, well, this is stupid. You know, that's not how that works. You know, you think about all those things. And I think they addressed that by not making it the the end point of mm. the uh, of the film and kind of giving him that choice. Well, like speaking yeah. of that, um, I don't know if you all have experienced this, but I have where you're like, I'm going to, like, you know, I'm an artist. I want to be a professional artist. I want to do this every day. I want to get hired to do this. And then, you, and then like six months in, you're like, fuck, I have to go to work and draw. Every day. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, 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 Welcome like to the it's, world of it's, any, it's, yeah, comic it's, books no, it's, it's that thing of like yeah. where, where everything's romanticized yeah, yeah, and sure. everything is, is not as it will be like in your head as mm-hmm. it is yeah. in reality. And I think that that's any creative job. Like I know that people say, like, oh, if you don't, if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Bullshit. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a you lie. You actually ignore <laughs> because is you a, feel like that you is have a fucking lie. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Yeah. you have to become okay. with And there's all a thing that called a time time constraint. Yeah. Like like time, like a deadline can ruin your artistic yeah, drive. <laughs> like if I, if I have like if my boss says I have four hours to get something that requires nothing but pure creativity to do. And I have to find inspiration within that four-hour time frame. Like it, it, it you either will yeah. or you won't, and it'll either be great or mm-hmm. mediocre. And either way, you have to you have to submit it, and it has to be in. Yeah, it's it's a real it's a real thing. I mean, even in the career field like I'm in now, where I am building kind of boutique items, uh, artful, you know, motorcycles or cars or whatever it is that I'm doing at the time. Um there is a lot that goes into understanding that you are working to be creative in Mm -hmm. that field, because you see a lot of people who come in who just get their dreams just fucking crushed Mm -hmm. because they get to see the shiny cars, but they don't realize that it takes a certain, and that's not to say people are keeping them from getting there, but they often are keeping themselves from getting there because of, it's that much work. It's that much work just to learn anything, to do anything creative mm-hmm. or to get to the point where you can even be creative. Mm-hmm. And unless you're making time elsewhere to kind of experiment with it, it's not unlike any kind of other art. It's an artistic version of, of, a, of another career field that isn't known to be very artful at all. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when you go into the meat grinders like sequential art or graphic design or UX design, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of thing, 
people are making like amazing shit, but they had to grind it out just to get to the point where they could maybe might decide to be creative with it. Just, you know, and yeah, yeah like a, a lot. So many people it, don't realize to... that, especially like, you know, like you were saying, graphic design, like they think, oh, I'm going to I'm going to graduate with my degree and become a graphic designer. No, you're going to be what's called a production assistant and you're going to be yeah. just somebody who does layout and you're getting assets yeah. that the graphic designers create. And then you're laying out the pages in a page layout yeah. program like InDesigner or whatever and um, Adobe InDesign. And I think it's good practice, you know, to yeah. then go up and, and be a graphic designer. But I think these expectations that sometimes you have right coming out of school going like, oh, I'm at a studio or I'm at an ad agency or I'm at a graphic house. It's like now I've made it. And then you you do you get into that grind and you're like, do I really want to do this? Um, yeah. for the rest of my life. And then you jump around and maybe you do different things. And um, then you, like me, and you fall into teaching and you're like, oh my gosh, um, I'd never want to do anything else for the rest of my life. And I yeah. think that eventually as you work your way through studios or, or ad agencies or wherever you're at as yeah. an artist, you will find your place. You just need to stick with it. I think that's no, really the, yeah, yeah. The, the ticket there. Yeah, and well, I think the struggle, the struggle, like I think that was in the movie as well as what a lot of artists or dancers or musicians feel is that once you start teaching, it's over. And see, that's yeah, what's like, with that stereotype? Is, is that a stereotype? Like, like or your something? professional aspirations should be dead because you did not make it because you are now a teacher, and that's not always true. And I wish, I really wish that, I wish that. That idea well, it's, it's because just... like it's asso- it's associated with stability, which means that you have to stay. It's like buying a house. Oh, because you're not yeah, you're not taking chances like, because you're like, not like you you, mm-hmm. you can't move you can't move away you can't take the next opportunity you can't be free enough to. But you know That's what? Stability so is stability it's the associations is nice, that are and incorrect. I think that. I guess. I if guess I could, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I if I could speak to this yeah. Uh, yeah. about you know all my careers and teaching, it's. You know, I kind of felt that way in the beginning. I'm like, oh, am I giving up? Am I selling out? And then, and and I'm telling you, like, as a college professor, I worked adjunct for so many years. It is not selling out. It is a lot of struggle. It's just as much struggle, if not more, than being in a studio job. It's like every time a semester ends or a quarter ends, you're on hiatus. You don't know if you're getting hired back again. So you're constantly having to prove yourself as not just an artist, but also with your educational skills and how you deliver the material. And I think that if you don't keep sharpening those skills, you get let go. I've seen it happen over and over. And I think that when you do teach, you are forcing yourself to learn in a multitude of ways so that you're not only learning the way that you understand how to learn, but you're learning how to teach people with different cognitive learning, you know, ways of learning or looking at it. So, and, and then, then you end up learning in different ways. And I think it opens up a lot of venues. I think it's great. I, I, I'm going to touch on two things. One, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on, um, I'm going to add on to what you were just talking about, where mm-hmm. when you become a teacher, and tell me if you agree with this, Sandy, you become better at your craft because you then know how to oh, explain yeah. it in the mechanics yep, and that makes you be able to perform it better on your own yeah, because sure. anytime i have had i because i i'm also a teacher at certain in certain venues yeah. i mm-hmm. become a master at it because i have to reiterate it yeah. over and over and over to the point where the mechanics right. become second second nature and yeah. and so i think that you really do start to like hit your stride in what your chosen field when mm-hmm. you do teach it's very interesting because the way you guys are saying it 
it seems like the stereotype, at least in the for the raw, we'll call them the raw arts or whatever. It seems like it's mm-hmm. the teaching is like a fallback yeah. career in yeah. the in in the field that I'm in, which is I'm I don't know if I've ever elaborated on this. I build custom motorcycles and I build I fabricate and things from scratch most of the time. It's pretty, but um, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where in our field, at least when you're teaching you've probably retired which probably means that you've done all the stuff yeah so many you don't have you know where it kind of sounds like oh you never got anywhere for us because it's such an immediate it's an immediate results type of uh field where mm-hmm. all your craft and all your art and all your design and all everything that you are goes into this one little thing and it people immediately either make judgments about it it immediately mm-hmm. explodes there's it's everything so immediate that oftentimes th- that kind of results if anybody is ever going to be interested in listening to anything you have to say you have to have the big pile of trophies to prove it because mm-hmm. <laughs> because nobody because it's not as um it's not as abstract a concept as right there. You are building something right there in front of somebody and you have Mm -hmm. to show them how to also do that. Now there's plenty of philosophy that goes into those types of things, but in the end you're, you're applying that philosophy to a, to a not abstract construct. It is a real thing you're making. And you have to like when anything that I teach in the few times that I've been, that I've been able to teach classes and stuff to people who are there, uh, not only do I have to know and kind of sound like I know what I'm doing, but people are actually going to look me up and actually make sure I have things that can prove that what I just said was a bunch of bullshit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I show and my students yeah. my, my yeah, website. Yeah. Like whenever we do introductions in the beginning of class, if I don't know the students, yeah. I'm always like, you know, and here's I'll do an introduction for myself. And I'm like, and here's my website. Yeah. You can look at my stuff. You can ask questions. Yeah. And, you know, I what you don't I think that a lot of people don't realize that some teachers have the attitude, which it's, I think it's really wrong and I can't stand it where they, they do say, well, you know, I know it all and you shouldn't question me basically. Right. Where I think if you approach teaching in a different way of saying, I don't know everything. Right. And if you ask me a question, I'm going to be honest in the moment and say, I don't know that, but give me time. I'll research it. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to you. And then I think that opens up a nice trust dialogue with your students. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I have learned so much stuff from my students over the years because they've been excited to come to class and share things with Mm -hmm. their peers and with me. And maybe it's because I have been really open with my students, but, um, yeah, I look forward to learning things from them. I don't, I don't ever think that you should approach teaching in a, I have retired. This is what I know. And I'm going to give it to you. And this is it. And and it's, there's an end point, especially with art. Yeah. And I think I never, well, that's why I was questioning the, the concept as what that stereotype is, because I feel like, that mm-hmm. that stereotype does exist in a lot of in a lot of places. Well, well, it's, it's about um, youth, and like, I, I want you. I don't follow that. Well, here, here, let me, let me explain. You. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't like, bury I'm going to I'm going to keep this in the world. But it's, I'm, I'm yeah. going to keep this in the world of animation. So yeah. when you graduate from mm-hmm. animation school, because there were like, I went to Columbus College of Art and Design for my undergrad, and they had like it was basically right. the Disney feeding school. Um, that was that was not in okay. California. Like it was where they found the 2D animators, and the goal was to go to Disney or to go to Nickelodeon. Like this was like in the early 2000s. Okay. And 
if you mm-hmm. did not get one of those positions, and because the, like a lot of the teachers were also uh, getting like uh, sequels for Disney features, like things like that. Like it was a very small pool. There wasn't a lot of two D animators um, in the major. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very select group. And because a lot of people wanted to do 3D back then, like that was back when like all, all the Final Fantasy movies were coming out and things like that. And so a lot mm-hmm. of 2D animators were like kind of in their own little small pack. And if you did not get a in-field position, you were oftentimes offered a teaching position at my college. And that meant that you had not made oh. it. That meant that you were not good enough. Like, oh, like gotcha. that meant Because like... If you like, there are people that dream about going to Pixar, and if you, you know, go to the portfolio review and you don't make it, they tell you to try again, and you try again the next six months mm-hmm. later or three months later, and you keep trying and you never get it, and then you just keep taking teaching roles. That means that you failed. That means mm-hmm. that you didn't get to work on that exciting project that inspired you to go into the field in the first place. Because we all have that thing that drove yeah. us to go into a creative field. Um, like me, for me, it was Marvel Comics. Like I wanted to be Salvador LaRocca. Like that was my dream. <laughs> and so like that was what I pursued. And eventually, you know, I, I became something very far from that. I'm nowhere near that good. But at the same time, I'm trying. But, you know, like I I can only imagine the people that never even got a chance to do commissions for a major studio or like people that, you know, like there are people that, because everyone has different degrees of talent. I won't go into saying like bad versus good, but like as far as what the industry accepts as uh, industry standard, Mm -hmm. there are people that their folios may fall short of that. And so a lot of times those are the people that are first in line to not be hired at those studios and to take on those teaching roles as an alternative. Mm-hmm. When we're talking like people that graduate together, there are the people that get first dibs on the roles at Pixar and Disney and Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and are working on Rick mm-hmm. and Morty. Okay. And then there are, there are people that are, are uh, taking the roles at the colleges they graduated from. And both are great opportunities, but there's one that you right. aspire to since you were a kid and there's one that you right. like that just became a dream because it was the dream yeah. that was placed in front of you as a reality and and you followed mm. suit and so i think that the reality of what you want in your youth versus what you want as a mature mm-hmm. adult who's been through the gamut and had some knocks and understands how the real world works those are night and day especially if you go into yeah. a creative field and i yeah. think that just that's what translates yeah. out of all of that is the, oh, if you become a teacher, then you haven't made it. It's because art school is so competitive and we have critiques every week right. and we're always like arguing mm-hmm. with each other and trying to do better than each other, that it becomes a competition. Like art school becomes a competition that continues into the workforce and there's a hierarchy in, in people's heads. I'm not saying it's yeah. real. I'm not saying it's right. But what I'm saying is that it's there because the people that are are have the most you know what as far as our fields go the people who are the most syndicated feel like they've won the people that are that have like books out and are getting nominated for eisner awards and we know their names they've right. they won in their minds and the people that are working for colleges sure. educating young minds are doing just as noble of work if not in like training the next generation mm-hmm. to do yeah, well keeping it going yeah um i i feel like they get shafted as far as the the accolades go or the perceived life accolades if you will and i and i don't mm-hmm. i don't think yeah. 
that I, I, I don't think that either is wrong for existing. I think that the competitive nature of what we do needs to exist in order for us to push us, in order for us to push ourselves yeah. and make our work yeah. better. But I also believe that it has gone a bit too far as far as shaming people for not <laughs> having the big lofty career rather than, you know, a career as just, just an educator. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what about having both? Like, I think I know a lot of the um, the people that I teach with, and especially a lot of the universities now, they want people who have worked in the industry for a certain amount of years before they kind of enter into teaching. So I think there is a, you know, a sort of expectation nowadays, especially in the commercial arts when you're teaching, it's like, you know, where have you worked before and what have you actually done and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. do you do you know do you actually know how to get into this field or how to teach people who are expecting to get money <laughs> for mm. the work that they do yeah. leaving this college? I mean really, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the same. I mean I my experience has only been teaching hobbyists. Uh I have not mm -hmm. delved into teaching other professionals yet. But I found that philosophically speaking I, I think it's it's one of those things where i i came upon teaching and i found that i really like doing it mm -hmm. but i i also noticed that in it's not unlike animation where yeah when you're when you're teaching you're kind of not looked down on but it's kind of seems like you're not fulfilling this thing that you were supposed to do as a dream mm -hmm. but I might be speaking from a different point because yeah, I do have a pile of trophies and yeah, I have those things. So I think about it differently. So I don't, there's no, there's not, I'm not really questioning myself as yeah. much as maybe some other professionals but I think will, that's, but it's, no, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's fair to the educator. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's illustrated in this film. You kind of feel that. Is, that. I was in a, that's how it circles yeah. back because with Joe Gardner, it, it, that was exactly what it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had his big moment and he has that realization of like, wow, I did it. And it made him feel validated within himself. And I think once you have that, no matter what you do in life, I think once you have that like validation moment in yeah. whatever you've been seeking, it's... It, you have a like a peaceful moment after that where you're like, oh, I've achieved this thing. And then you can really reassess what makes you actually happy because you right. don't have that thing to chase. Well, like, I, I took yeah. something different yeah. away from that. Like when he finally like okay. performs the gig and then he does the big mm -hmm. sitting at the piano, putting all the items down and doing a, a basically a retrospective of everything that he's been mm -hmm. through. Yeah. He realized that it wasn't about the job it wasn't about being being in a band it was about all life's little moments that made like yeah like, like it the was, eating that the pizza. was sort of what made that mm, special yeah. is that he had been through all these other things before that like like, like i think what mm -hmm. the story is trying to tell us is that there's not one thing that we're all meant to do i think we're supposed to live our lives yeah. and find the moments in between to have bliss in general like you're not like like yeah and have all these a, amalgam of of experiences yeah. that make up our life yeah. and make up our personality and who we yeah, are no, absolutely and point, yeah. I think it's also about the people that you ultimately around, end up surrounding yourself with either by happenstance like in the film or of your choosing like he chooses to go into the barbershop and be around Des and and the community that's in the barbershop but then he gets thrown in with the the soul character that uh, twenty two the Tina Fake uh, you know portrays and 
you know, all these people that, and everybody's had this experience where maybe you have a 22 in your life where you're like, oh, wow, I really just want to get away from this person. Um, and that might be the person ending up teaching you some of the biggest life lessons yeah. that you've had. And you have to like slow down and really listen to to what they have to say and not just focus on what you want all the time kind yeah. of thing. It's it's that learning to listen thing. That I, I think the one thing that really rang true for me about the Tina Fey character, 22, is that every now and then there are people that just have, in order for them to appreciate life, they have to live it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that was the funniest thing about that character was that she was never going to appreciate the before life <laughs> because she didn't know what life was all about. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that, yeah, yeah, like I think so that, that, and I think that that's yeah. what um, a lot of us. I, I, like, There's so I, many people I'm like that. Deathly, I'm deathly everybody. afraid of failing, and that's why I work crazy hard at everything. And, and like, oh. like some people are driven by the need for success, and others are driven by the fear of failure. I am the latter, and mm-hmm. and I think that you, mm-hmm. I also learned that by teaching. Like when I was teaching, because like um, they make us do a teaching rotation in graduate school. And I had a lot of really, really, um, what's the word I want to use? Strident students. <laughs> and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, like they, they all had these That's big lofty word. ideas yeah, of, of them as an artist and they didn't want to listen and, and they didn't oh. believe uh, that they, that yeah. cause they, didn't, they didn't believe in any other form of artistic expression other than the one that they walked in the door with. And I had to really right. sort mm-hmm. of dig deep to go like, you know, I have to, I have to still find a way to connect to them. And and mm-hmm. I found myself really putting putting a lot of myself uh a lot of myself doubt into that situation and going like if I don't connect to them right away, um, then mm-hmm. then I failed because like that was what I because I had teachers that I connected to right away and 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 things like that. And and there are times that mm-hmm. that didn't happen. But sometimes the teachers that you don't connect to right away and yeah. you have to those sort are the of best work ones. At, yeah. Like sometimes those end up being the yeah. professors yeah. that you yeah. The that ones you that are hard edged. Like like I, yeah. I'm I'm a very tough, tough nut tough nut to crack. Uh, when it comes to new situations, I don't yep. like talking to people that I've never met. And mm-hmm. so like, it's very hard to get to know me. But once you get to know me, I'm a big softie. Mm-hmm. And 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 I yep. think that there's a lot of people like that. And I had to learn that. But like, I, I do think mm-hmm. that the creative communities are riddled with people that uh, work their asses off, not because they want to succeed mm-hmm. or have this big lofty goal. I think it's because they just don't want to fail. They don't want to be labeled a failure. And... Yeah, it's a very. Or they need strange. to prove something yeah, to like, themselves. Like, like, yeah, it's a very. Yeah, like Joe said thing. in the film, he was just like, "I feel like my life amounted to nothing if I don't accomplish this one thing." I hear that mm-hmm. voice in my head right. all mm-hmm. the time, like, 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 where mm-hmm. if I don't get mm-hmm. like X amount of viewers on a piece, or if I don't get like you know this this. Um, oh God, yeah, social media makes that like so much worse for so many people. No, yeah, no, like uh, I remember I used to do Marvel submissions. I go if I don't hear back about any of my pieces, and that means that I should hang it up and I should not be an illustrator anymore you know like things things like that yeah and, oh wow and so like no. it's you can get trapped in that and you have to find something that's oh, yeah. self-motivated something that's a goal for you like that for mm-hmm. you to achieve within yourself and mine has just been yeah. and i've been talking to sandy and joe like you both about this it's just about like learning painting mm-hmm. again and falling in love with it again and mm-hmm. really building mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. my skills because uh, like the listeners won't know this. Like I- I'm going to give you a little bit of insight about me. I quit illustration after graduate school <laughs> because like I just couldn't <laughs> compete. There were so many other artists that were better than me, and I was so disheartened by that because for a while I was one of the best, and and then that day ended, and 
you know like i i didn't know yeah. how to how to pick myself up after that and, but at the same time like i had to refall in love with, with illustration again and once mm-hmm. i found my way back like now it's about me and about me uh, about my love for it and about me competing yeah. with myself and and not comparing myself to anyone else or anyone else's goals or dreams that so that is the ticket and that's what i tell my students all the time cuz they'll see um you know, they'll, they'll come and they'll show me work from somebody and they'll go, oh my gosh, Miss Chamberlain, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be this good. And I said, well, yeah. stop comparing and be inspired by, because <laughs> if you just sit here and try to compare yourself to all the most amazing artists in the world, you're just going to yeah. put a big wall up for yourself that you're never going to climb over. Yeah. Every, every artist that you yeah. look at, you're going, there's another brick, there's another brick until you build it so, so tall, you can't jump over. So don't, don't ever build walls for yeah. yourself. And also it's very cheesy, but if you look at the positive acronym for fail is the first attempt in learning. Oh, and that oh, I really I love believe that. that. I can't stand when people think that, yeah, I can't stand when people say, oh my gosh, I got an F in something. I was a horrible test taker and I couldn't stand that because I couldn't memorize something or spit something out onto a Scantron that I felt like a failure at a subject, especially mm-hmm. like math or science, when if given the time and the opportunity, I could explain concepts through essays or projects. And um, I just think there's so many different ways of learning and to pigeonhole yourself into feeling bad because you can't do something the way somebody else can always really irritated me. So yeah, Yeah. don't, you know, just find another way. You have to fall in love with what you're doing and and, and that be enough. Like, Like, yeah. For yourself, like I, yeah, for I yourself and no one else. Exactly. Way. I think that we've. I think every artist. I think both of you can speak to this. Like you have days that are a struggle, mm. and you have to figure out your way to come back. Oh my back. god! I <laughs> call them bad drawing days. Yes, I have a horrible drawing day where I'm just like everything I do is crap, and I might as well just. Uh, you know, hang it up. And that's what I also tell my students, like they'll have a bad day or they're just not feeling good. And I'm like, well, you can sit here and waste your time and make a bunch of art that you're never going to use. Or you could actually do some self-care and go take some time and watch a show or play a video game and then start fresh tomorrow. And that's why, honestly, everybody out there trying to, you know, become a professional artist, especially in the commercial arts, we all procrastinate, but do not go all the way up to the last day. Always make sure you give yourself those buffer days for the bad drawing days where your hand just won't yeah. draw um, so that you can have the next day to kind of finish your client work and stuff like that. It's really yeah. important. And it's really important to take care of yourself. I'm going to add on to that. Uh, don't forget to have a life because mm-hmm. you can't be creative. You can't be creative if you're not an interesting oh person and you don't have any experiences yeah, that was a part <laughs> to, of... to feed off of and for you your artistic talent. That's a yeah. big part of it. I can, I can actually... That's I can actually huge. super attest to that because there are yeah. many stereotypes about uh, people who are in the skilled yeah. trades and how they mm-hmm. have a tendency to not be cultured or anything like that. A huge part of where I am right now, which is a place that I feel I, one would be proud of. Um, I don't, I don't, um, yeah. well, I'll get to that in a second, but. Um, We're proud of you, Joe. <laughs> I'm but proud um, of you, Joe. it's not so much that, it's just that. It's a very good feeling when everybody knows when I, w- w- there was, a, there was, or is a motorcycle co-op that I was teaching at, uh, here in Atlanta called Brother Moto. Um, and ev- as one of the kind of older, kind of long-term members that have been there in a while, once I started teaching classes there, um, people could tell I was there because I was play jazz in the morning, every Sunday morning, 
I'm playing jazz in there, getting the getting the area ready and all these other type of things. And then you'd be surprised Aww. how many times I've got into conversations about the music I was playing as opposed to strictly just motorcycles, that kind of thing. It's important that um, I'm trying to trying to segue into what uh what i was hearing from you guys he's um, having experience i am not a professional yeah i'm not a i'm not a professional mm-hmm. teacher but i do enjoy teaching um and one thing that i've learned as a philosophy that i tell a lot of the people that i teach uh if i ever do private lessons or if i go more in depth with them is uh, my mm-hmm. biggest thing is avoid superlatives um I don't mm-hmm. like the I don't like it when people say I'm obsessed with doing this or I love doing that. I was like, mm, I've been doing this for 20 years and I under I know what obsessed looks like. Um, I know what love looks like when it comes to love what you do. Um, mm-hmm. And even I try not to use those concepts because. If you're obsessed, then you don't always, or if you love something in a in a way that over romanticizes what you're doing, then you mm-hmm. then you will not always um, be able to see it accurately. <laughs> well, you won't be able. Yeah, to put it simply, you won't be able to see it accurately. Or well, everything more is subjective, and nothing's right, objective. You lose yeah. your ability, at least with failure, and to how it connects with maybe the, with this movie is you fail to understand how ingrained it is into success. You must fail in order to learn to succeed. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to embrace that as a concept so that you can, Mm -hmm. if you want to show how obsessed you are, you have to get past that point. Nothing is an obsession if you can't get past the fact that you are going to fail a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and it's something that you see in those kind of downtrodden characters like the Joe character in this where he may have failed a couple of times or maybe he didn't take advantage of an opportunity or something like that. But he really he's talented. Is he obsessed or is he or is he over romanticizing a concept that is not allowing him to succeed in something he's actually good at. Yeah. And there's also that thing of, of, you know, and you see it so much in the commercial arts there, you have to draw the line between being a fan of something and then really going behind the scenes and learning how to produce that level yeah. of, you know, yeah. work. It's not to say you can't be a fan. We're all fans. We think things that, you know, we all nerd out about things and get excited, but if you're just a fan, being just a fan of something, even a hardcore fan and being obsessed isn't going to get you to where you want to be as a commercial mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that, you know, you have to really put in the practice and the work and, you know, it's just like, you know, going back to the whole music thing. If you're going to draw, you know, I always tell students, they always say, well, well, I just want to be able to do this. or I just want to be able to do that. And I'm like, well, how, how many hours do you practice a week? Not with schoolwork. How are you practicing and what are you practicing? It's just like music. You can't expect to. There's like 0.1% of the population that could sit down at a piano and just start playing a piece of music. But for the rest of us, we have to sit down, learn our chords and scales, learn our music theory, harmony, melody, all these things before we could even play the piece. And so I don't know why people think they can just jump over all that when it comes to something like drawing, you know, because it's the same Mm. thing. You have to put in the hours and and learn the fundamentals and learn the foundations in order to get to the cool yeah. stuff. 
Okay, like okay. Um, I'm gonna say two things. One, I think that when it comes to the perspective of the main character of this movie, I think that yeah, it's the artist, it's the visual arts equivalent of standing too close to your piece and never taking a step away. Like we mm-hmm. all have been told mm-hmm. by every yeah. teacher, walk yep. away from it and then come back and you'll have fresh eyes. Come back. I think that he was standing yep. too close to his music. He was standing too close to his feelings about his music that he never really bothered to see what the actual job was that he wanted all his life because he never got it. And so with every failure, with mm-hmm. every rejection, he wanted it that much more to prove to himself that he could. To where it be, mm-hmm. His entire career became more about proving that he could get it, that he was good enough, that he never really stopped to think about that what the reality was when yeah. he got it. And the other thing I'm going to say is that Mm -hmm. when it comes to playing music or making art or expressing yourself in any way, you have to have a perspective to to have, to portray Mm -hmm. in that art. You have to have an emotion. You have to have a feeling. You have to have a great story Mm -hmm. in your head in order to be a great writer. You have to have Mm -hmm. an amazing picture in your head if you want to be a great painter. You have to have a story that you are desperate to get on paper if you want to be any kind of an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that most people forget that. They just think, I want to do this and learn this. And they forget to have that great story. And that Mm -hmm. is the spark that they're talking about in this movie. Like that is that right. great no, idea no, exactly. yeah. that fuels all of your creative drive that makes you run out in the, at two o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning to your garage so that you can actually like get this down on paper. That is what makes a great artist. It's not all the technical skills. Yes, those help. But sometimes people have made millions or just had great successes outright just from people being fans of it with just a great idea mm-hmm. like so i think people yeah. forget that like yeah. you have to have something to write and sing and dance about in order to really be great yeah. at something and that's the living life bit absolutely yeah. the whole um crappy art is still better than no there's a art. thing called art brute <laughs> <laughs> like that proves that, that wrong yeah. <laughs> Ten thousand bad drawings yeah. before the good ones start to scratch the yeah. surface yeah, yeah. no absolutely um things. Let's can you get here. into that? Uh, not to break off topic, if you had more, Sandy, but like, can you talk to us about the animation? Like, like, yeah. like from 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 yeah. a fundamentals, it's, yeah, it's like, like this, this felt one. different. It felt more textural. It felt more uh, like subtle colors, like like mm-hmm. with abstract art references in those crazy characters that all the great British actors yes. played. <laughs> yeah. Like like uh, uh, what is his name? Daniel Oyadi, <laughs> oh, yeah. like is one of my favorite comedians. Like oh my god! And I was like, is that Daniel yeah. Oyadi? Like like it was, oh man, like. Yeah. It is, yeah. and he is excellent in this, and he's such a dick, and it's so great. So, yeah, I mean, everything everything comes together with animation production. I mean, it's not just the animators. It's the writers. It's the people doing the music. It's story, you know, people who are doing the visuals for storyboarding. Um, the animation, I think, I think with the way the technology keeps moving forward, I think that the subtle animation is what's going to keep getting better and making it feel more human. Um, I remember watching a special on, you know, early on with Toy Story and them explaining why 3D felt so much more real and so different and how we could connect with the characters instead of just looking like like we were looking at a moving painting with the 2D animations, um, which are still, I mean, I love 2D. It's still really beautiful. But I think what 3D brings is a level of technical ability that you can't get with 2D. 
where when someone is really paying attention to you and they're focusing, their eyes flick back and forth just a little bit. And you can get that level of detail in 3D animation that, you know, it's just be, you know, not impossible, but it would just be really tedious to do in 2D. And I think that with all the new um, rendering capabilities and people who are working with, um, you know, the VisFX side of it, right? Like making the city feel real, not just with like the music, but with the textures, the the dirt and the grime that's on everything, mm -hmm. like everything, they can put so much detail into it now. I mean, if you look at, um, it's either Raya or Rhea, I don't want to say it wrong, and The Last Dragon, holy crap, we'll have to do a- um, We're gonna have to wait until an episode it's on that. Like, I'm not that was <laughs> Sorry. I know, when it's not that, no, I know. It's beautiful, Sorry. but, but, but no, I no, believe no, when, you. When it, <laughs> I'm not paying 40 bucks No, for we're it. gonna wait. <laughs> no, 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 we'll, I, I've seen yeah, it, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait until it's it's just on Disney Plus so that the, the listeners can watch it as well. But I mean, I was blown away by that film yeah. it is it's so interesting it's so different and it it feels like what the old disney in the 90s was doing story-wise yeah. so it's very exciting and the visuals are just ridiculous yeah. but to go into the character and what i think that everybody listening to this if you haven't seen soul watch soul and then do yourself a favor watch the film first or vice versa um and go Again, I've referenced this before, but the little mini documentaries, um, the inside Pixar, mm -hmm. there's a couple episodes that um, are really, really amazing. Let me go back here. The first one is called, um, it's the first two episodes. It's episode one and episode two. The first one is called Inspired and it features Kemp Powers and mm -hmm, okay. it is, the title of it is Writing Something Real. And he talks about his experience being a black writer mm. and a lot about the barbershop uh, you know, scene in this film. And um, that was really fun to watch. And then going about talking about the different wire characters that the British characters played. Um, if you look at the second episode called Inspired, it features, and gosh, I hope I'm saying her name right. I have, I'll watch this in a minute, but mm -hmm. it was Deanna Margulies, um, The Art of the Pivot. She is a character in herself. She kind of dresses in the old um, 40s and 50s style uh, dress. And she is a character designer for Disney and Pixar. And she... Um, is the one who was in sort of like the creative session on how to bring those characters to life. And she made these like actual tactile wire, um, almost maquettes of the characters yeah. to actually pitch it visually to um, the story artist saying, this is how we could portray these characters and they could shape shift and they can do all these things. And it was, That's it's really cool. cool. So they're like little 10, 15 minute episodes. I highly yeah, recommend you guys go cool. look at them. If you looked at the one um, on Stephen Hunter for out it, um, it, those are right before they're the first two episodes right before that one. So yeah. And, and the, yeah, the animation was just, I mean, ridiculous. It's just, it's going to get better and better. And I think, I, th I think that in general, if we look at film as a whole, live action and animation, you know, if you go back and you learn a lot about film history and watch the older movies till today, we're sort of, they say we're, we're now in a golden age of television and film, which we sort of are. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot that could be said for get getting better and better. Um, but you know, you, you always kind of build upon what's been done before. 
and you strive to get better performances and you strive to tell stories that are more real and that are more true and not just glossed over, right? It's sort of like if you circle back to WandaVision, she started off with the this uh, super sickly sweet sitcoms like I Love mm-hmm. Lucy. And then at the end, she was yeah. fighting Agatha in the whole, you know, real world of Marvel um, trope that we've come to understand and, and know. And and I think that that's sort of what's going on with animation. It's just going to keep getting better and better. And I think the 2D is getting better and better as well because they're just being able to utilize all these new digital tools, yeah. but with sticking to the foundations of what makes animation interesting is that with animation you can show things that you just wouldn't really be possible with live right. action because if i mean if we're honest if you look at the avengers and you watch any of the specials about it it's it's a cartoon the whole thing oh yeah it is with a couple live action actors thrown oh, yeah, into it, it. <laughs> but um yeah no yeah no that no that was well said no that that's it's it's only going to get better in terms of look and yeah. and moreover and this might be kind of an overused concept but the the feel of these movies are starting to become um abstract mm-hmm. in the right way is as the best way i can describe it um the textures yeah. and the even the character design like their shapes and the way they're they're animating they've gotten the 3d tools have gotten so powerful that the mm-hmm. gestural concepts of 2D animation, which is what made it more appealing for so long, are starting mm-hmm. to meld together. This yeah. this movie has a lot of 2D. Yeah. In I was going to say that in, too. In, Damn it! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it's you, the, it's got a lot of 2D in it, and, and the the it's becoming. It's becoming a lot easier to do, which is important because that's what made mm-hmm. 2D what it is, is I can something as simple as um, what the uncanny valley concept where they are mm-hmm. now through the 3D animation, not so much like visual effects, like what you see in like, um, you know, like an Avengers movie or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. You're seeing the the kind of human uh, perceptions of motion, human perceptions of texture and things like that. It, it These movies mm-hmm. seem a lot more real to me than an action s- sequence in a, an Avengers movie. I uh, mm-hmm. The Avengers movie animates what I have in my head reading a comic book that's 2D that I feel yeah. did the motion right the first time in the, in the book because it allowed my mm-hmm. imagination to squish and stretch and all those all those nice little 2d things that you do in your head while also adding that extra little the extra little warmth and things that you that you can only do with a supercomputer you know in 3d that kind yeah of, i mean yeah, it, yeah. not to throw this in a whole different direction but um seriously if you guys are interested in like the uncanny valley and, and things getting better and better uh they just dropped a um a commercial or like a little YouTube thing for the new Unreal Metahumans. Yes. No, I have, have not. you guys seen what this? Is it? Oh, what is it? Oh, it looks so good. It's so exciting. So, Joe, do you want to? Um, no, you, you you explain it. You you're 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 better at it in this in this in this. Realm. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um. So basically, it's um the Unreal Engine is a, a gaming engine, and they have created um basically a a base human mesh that you can change genders and 
make as fluid as you want. And and basically it's like the ultimate changing your avatar kind of feel to it. It basically they're going to use it as as a production tool for, you know, uh, different companies for gaming companies and for advertising agencies and saying here is this base mesh that you can use and oh i've seen what i've seen what that is i know know what you're talking about now it looks really cool this is this is uh yeah this is it's getting super close to breaking the uncanny valley which is exciting it's like deep fake but like an entire fucking person <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. I saw an article yeah, really that, cool. that had that. Check uh, it out, like, guys. They were talking about like, I guess you have to like input this into a different program or something. But like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it, but yeah, it's the way really I was cool. referencing is, is like their their ability. I'll to put take links up on the groups. Their ability to take more abstract forms and character design, but also maintain the uncanny valley, which is not something you saw in like early Toy Story films or you know. Mm-hmm films that were like the cars films that were so unreal quote unquote that they yeah. that there's no <laughs> valley there's there's there is no valley they're getting yeah. closer and closer to crossing it without having to be hyper realistic you know mm-hmm. these Which yeah these exciting. odd shapes and things are not supposed to make you cry by the rules of the uncanny valley and yet they are mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing you know uh, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing it without being 2D or mm-hmm. you know cartoony, cartoonish. Yeah, that yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Check it out. What animators are doing now is like like what Joe was saying, like how there's a lot of 2D elements. I think that using the best of 3D and the best of 2D is the way because like the world is uh, all about nostalgia these days. Like, like for people like us who are in our 30s, like in 40s that are in the creative roles in a lot of these studios, I think that our mm-hmm. impulse is to look back at the things that we loved when we were kids. And I think that that is the 2D world. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is at the heart of like what the people at these helms are trying to do. So I think that like there is I an agree. emotional reason why a lot of these great animations have this 2D reference back to classic animation of films and features well i think uh mm-hmm. i think a dual irony of this is that so much time has been spent in making in using all this computing power to make things as hyper realistic as possible yeah. without understanding mm-hmm. that in 2d animation they were able to master things that your brain perceives regardless of whether it's realistic yeah. or not and that they well, and that both of those interesting character design. interesting character design, but like the way that you animate said characters, if you add squish or if you add two D animation concepts to hyper realism, mm-hmm. your brain jumps over the uncanny valley. And I think it's interesting that in yeah. both movies like this and in you know uh, some of the hyper realistic movies like the Avengers and things like that. Um, it is a dual arms race to try to find the type of computing power where the 3d animator that's not doing hyper realism is able to accurately apply 2d animation concepts that our brains typically are uh, are alluring to you know they they they're, mm-hmm. they're 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 
yes, it's nostalgia. Yes, it's those things. But there's a reason why those concepts are objectively super strong and they maintain. And eventually you're going to, they're going to push. So I feel that they're going to push so hard in the non-hyper-realism and get those tool sets mm-hmm. so sharp that eventually they're going to be able to bring it to the hyper-realism and be able to trick your mind across that valley. You, you yep. see what I'm saying? I yeah. completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. And I think that really is the ticket is to embrace both yeah. artistic yeah. They aspects. Had to, they and, still and, have and to master wide... those strong concepts. Those like, yeah, absolutely. Of 2D of what, what is the, yeah. what is your brain like? Not how real can we make this? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, like, do you, you know, yep, like I why, like, well, this is just my opinion, but like, I, I stand by it. Do you know why those like live action, like Lion Kings and everything, you know, like why they weren't really embraced, why people didn't really fall in love with them? There's, there's, there's no, it's, it's, hell, it's because it's because they had yeah, they already really told stiff. the story in such a uh, dynamic and romantic way. Like uh, the Lion King, like where like yeah. animals are stacking on top of each other and doing all of these things that like stretch mm-hmm. your imagination, that it hurt your imagination to go backwards into mm-hmm. reality. Like and and look at that right. story. Yeah, no. So mm-hmm. like, there's Absolutely. really no way to undo yep. what's already been done to your eyes and to your imagination, and and do it in a positive mm-hmm. yeah. way. Well, I think also too, a lot of people seeing these movies. Um, you know, I mean, I saw it when I was in middle school, going into high school, just because I'm older. But I think for a lot of the the generation that was excited about the live action film, it was like, no, it's either you saw it when you were young you connected to it as a child and then you go back and you think that the live action will be that for your kids right. or just a real nostalgia for yourself. Right. And then when it, like you're saying, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't yeah. match up to the original. Yeah. So why do it? Um, I mean, yeah. Like I love Will, I love Will Smith. I love <laughs> him so much, but he could, he couldn't replace Robin Williams. No, like there's, yeah. there's no way. It was just, he should have just did his own. If And see, that's the, that's the thing. And I've seen so many videos on this where Will Smith is such a good singer and such a good rapper in his own Right, like, why try to redo what Robin Williams did? Why not give exactly. him the opportunity to it's do a so whole new? I know, movie? like, he, like he was having fun so and getting paid. Money. Like, like yeah. that was it's so that much was. money, and yeah. we got to figure out new and fun ways to use these giant computers that we just put together. They got to, they got to, yeah, they got to pay for that stuff. They got to pay for those people to be yeah. there. And that's it, a cynical view, but it's an important it's a reality. Thing it's a realistic it's, one. It's, no, it's I know. It's, it's very for them true. To actually, go do. It and is. see that it doesn't it doesn't work it works great from a technical aspect they're technically mm-hmm. extremely uh um dense uh productions but they're productions they're not it's not the same thing as the story yeah and that's what i'm saying is that the irony is that they had to get this far in, into computing and to animating 3d that they are now just barely starting to you know, uh, crack the 2D format of technique and style that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no, it's not as quote unquote realistic, but it is realistic to your perception as a person. That's why 2D is so strong yeah. because you're able to literally do whatever you want, which also means I get to do these little tricks that make you want yeah. to watch this and want to believe it it's more than just visually interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does. It does what a movie is supposed to do. It takes you out of reality and into the fantasy dream world. That's literally yeah. why. I remember Marshall Vandruff taught me this at Cal State Fullerton. He would say, "You know, why do we go into a theater to watch a movie? Well, 
It takes us out of our, our home setting. It takes us off the street. And you go in and what do they do? They dim the light slowly. Not all at once. They do it slowly over the trailers mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, getting yeah. your popcorn and other things. Falling so that asleep. it mimics yep. your natural falling asleep. Yeah. So that you are now in the dream space. And if filmmakers do you justice as an audience, you will forget everything you'll forget your worries you'll forget the outside world for this small pocket of time you can relax and really be fully immersed in this dream world of this movie and then they've done their job correctly and i think that's what 2d animation really can do better than anything else because it is really dreamlike and it is so different than anything absolutely it is Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, cool yeah yeah i love that wow um, good discussion we got guys. real <laughs> um <laughs> so uh, I, I did want to touch on one thing because i i feel like i would be doing a disservice if i did not talk about the barbershop scene yes yeah I, I would like to hear your thoughts on that it's sort of treated like a black man's country club okay it it, it is a place where no one asks you to be anything other than what you are where mm. no one wants you to speak in a dialect that is more pleasing to them. They don't want you to change your music to something that's more tolerable to them. They mm-hmm. don't want you like you, there's there's no more black or less black or light skinned or dark skinned because most of us have a similar grade of hair to where we're in there in the first place. It's like riding the bus. Right. Like mm-hmm. like there, it's the great equalizer for black people for black men mm-hmm. in specific. It's a place where like there is always an older black man that's worked there that is ready to philosophize on you and 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 ready to ask you big lofty questions about your life and what you want and and it and it is a rite of passage like no matter like whether you had one white parent or whatever if you are a black male uh you probably have had uh one if not both of your parents take you to a black barbershop and you have you have had to sit there and you've had to hear the conversations that they have and hear the laughter that goes on and hear the the big conversations, the small conversations, the political conversations. And and all of it has an impact when you leave. Like it all it really does color your day and color your perspective. And you hear words you never heard before, and you hear words that are that are shunned by society, and you hear about stories about people that you're sitting next to, and you mm-hmm. get to see other black kids that look like you that you've never spoken to in school. Uh, but you're both sitting next to each other waiting to get your hair cut by the same guy. And and it bring it brings it's like a community, um it's a community center in a weird way. Like it's it's a place where there's a singularity because I know we're all supposed to be equal and I know we're all supposed to be on the same plane all the time. But I feel like black men, especially because of the amount of vilification that happens, they never feel like they have a safe place. Believe it or not, it is the barbershop that feels like the safest social place for black men in, in the Americas. Because like it is a place where like you will see exactly those same experiences where you'll hear you can actually just sit there and talk and have everyone listen to you while you're getting your hair cut. And it will be like you are um, a great like a great philosopher. And and, and if you understand what you're saying and, and you um, and you believe what you're saying, people will listen to you. You do have clout just by being there because we give each other that clout as as African-Americans in that space. So I do want to commend them on their portrayal and the honesty of that. Like they had to have at least like a black consultant or a black writer who wrote those scenes because it was incredibly accurate 
and and yeah, I applaud Kemp, them and I thank them for that. Kent Powers talks about that in the documentary. I think you should definitely take a look at it. Yeah. What 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 was your favorite scenes, guys? Just let's touch on that a little bit. Uh, honestly, his realization uh when he leaves the when he leaves the club. That's kind of my favorite when he comes to grips with the fact that he didn't waste his time getting all, all the way up to this point, but he was he had grown enough to acknowledge that okay, I got here and this is the reality of what I can get into. I did a good job, but it's not really what I'm into. This, yeah. this wasn't actually what I like doing. And he was able to, through that growth, decide that he, you know, he needs to continue to find either find or develop what he what he was good at, which in did this you, case is teaching. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, Joe. Did you like what the what was the woman the woman that he was going to be working for? Did you like that analogy that she made? Do you remember what that was when she said? Um, uh, the guy was looking for the ocean and he said, uh, no, wait, I, I thought we were already in the ocean. No, like, no, you're in water. I'm looking for the ocean as in saying like, I'm looking for this big lofty thing rather mm -hmm. than just the reality of it, which is just water, but I'm looking for the big dream of the ocean. And so she equated it to, um, oh, you were just looking for the dream of being a musician. You don't want the reality of doing this just every single day and doing the same thing. Mm, yeah. Well, even in that, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Um, I liked her analogy in that it came from an experience, in this case, the, the character is an experienced person. And not simply because they are famous. Yeah. But because when you when you look at that, and for people who have seen the movie or, or not familiar, they are a house band. So yeah. they're a very prominent house band in this city. Uh, I'm going to say is New York. Yeah, it was New York. Um, it was New York. So a, a lot of major cities, especially New York and particularly like New Orleans, has house bands for particular venues. And they're very important people to any genre of music that they perform in. Mm -hmm. And that person is a – those are some of like the hardest working people out there because they are every day, every other day playing a show. Holidays, yeah. everything. And it's their whole life. It's their whole that music is their whole life. And yeah. the thing is, is that like, like it, it showed in that movie, he never really gave it a lot of thought to. To mm -hmm. it seemed like he worked hard and that he was talented, but it seemed like he was just working hard for the sake of working hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he had something to prove. Where yeah. Yeah, well, he had something to prove, but but what? But I don't even think he even knew what he was proving. Yeah, he kind of just wanted yeah. to get into this one place because he thought that that was the pinnacle, yeah. and well, without really giving just... into thought as to what that even entailed, is almost like he was so experienced in teaching and with music, and he understood all these all these concepts from people who are hardworking musicians, but he didn't understand how hard these people had to work to get there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So he kind of walked yeah. into this being good, being talented. And then at the end of it is just like, he was like, well, we got to do this tomorrow. I was like, yeah, what did you expect? Like yeah, they kind of expected him do. to be, he was that good. They kind of expected him to kind of understand that. that so I kind of liked that. I kind of liked that reality that he hit is like, yeah, man, this is, here's your real life. <laughs> you and know I mean, what I mean? You can, this is, you can, yeah, you can yeah. even go back to where like someone who's made it, you know, this is like 
they've made it they're very famous they've played big venues and then they say nope i want to go back and be this you know small venue person like in new orleans exactly the fats domino right he he went all over and then he said he finished his career just playing the local places in new orleans and that's where he but that guy's that's where he wanted to be but that was his whole life if he didn't get up every day and perform and and do his yeah. music then yeah. he wasn't happy yeah. and i think that was the realization that that you like you're talking about joe didn't realize it was just it had to be everything it wasn't yeah, well, just it was everything time. for him but it wasn't like mm-hmm. it wasn't like being world famous which he it kind of looked like he was he was portraying onto that you know, onto these other characters and onto the venue. It was, you know, it's just, a, it was just a house. It was a house club, you know, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it was just yeah. a house club. And, and that it's just, this is what you that. do. Yeah. yeah. I think he wanted more from that without actually realistically looking at what it was. Yeah. And good. And it was, it's a good feeling to see that. It's mm-hmm. a good feeling to see him do well in the thing he wanted to do and then go and then have that growth and go, Okay. Ooh, yeah. I want to do the thing I feel makes me feel better than just being good at something and being recognized at that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, maybe and I'm that, not, that's, that's yeah, a huge you know, takeaway like, for yeah. life in general from this movie. No matter if it's the arts or whatever you're doing in life, you know, you have to really go out there and try a lot of things before finding what really makes your soul happy yeah. and what yeah. you really enjoy doing and what is satisfying because yeah. ultimately in the end that's all that matters. Yeah. Really, and I, and and I think his, yeah, he, he got to decide his legacy there, right there outside of that venue. Yeah. And uh, I think that his uh, again, another huge, yeah. Again, another huge important reason why him just playing that show in front of his family and his friends is why that couldn't be the end of the movie. It was very yeah. important that that's not the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad that they were able to like show that that way. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. That the 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 ability to make that choice after after the he's given the reality of of his achievement, mm-hmm. you know, not taking away from the achievement, but understanding that he now has that control. Well, yeah, I absolutely. also I also think that like we're forgetting one tiny little thing, and that's that he had just experienced the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> and he's then, died and several he, times. And then, There's like, a lot and, of growth he, going he, on here. He yeah. also like just experienced yeah. someone. He he also experienced life alongside someone who was experiencing life for the first time. So he got to experience all those little joys that he had forgotten mm-hmm. about or taken for granted. Well, so, also also to to speak to that, um, you know, even to segue into my favorite scene. I think it's also seeing your own life that you feel is mundane through the eyes of somebody fresh. My favorite scene was where she had already taken over his body and his student had come to say, I'm done. I don't want to be a musician anymore. And then plays the um, the trumpet on the stairwell. Yeah. I, I saw it at Christmas. And I'm hoping I remember the scene yep, correctly. you do. And, um, you know, then she kind of goes back and at some point she's telling him, you know, how good she is and everything and what a good teacher he is and all about that. And it just sort of like opened up a window to him that he really does make a difference in other people's lives and that this could be his, his thing. I just thought that was really beautiful. See, uh, I I love you, Sandy, because I think, I think you love that moment. Uh, and that was your favorite moment as a teacher. Oh, maybe I, 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 no, I, I think that, 
uh, and I won't speak for you, but like I think I connected it for you as a teacher. I I liked that moment for you. Mm. I liked that moment for me as a student because Aww. I love when you need reassurance, but you don't know how to ask for it. And your only way to ask for it is to threaten to quit because you think that it's going to get a reaction. <laughs> I'm done. Every, no, every student who like really like has a teacher that they're close with, because a lot of these skills that we study that you need, it's like a master and an apprentice. So you need someone that's like right there teaching you one-on-one. And I had that. And like, I would threaten to quit all the time. And it was because I needed someone to say, because I was an insecure kid, I needed mm-hmm. someone to say, keep going. You're that good. You're that talented. Because sometimes it's not about you hearing it in your head. It's about someone else saying it that makes it feel more real and, okay. and more solid. Because you do like, because you you heard that little girl. It was a girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like you heard that little girl say like, well, like as he took the trumpet away, mm-hmm. uh, she goes like, um, or was it a trombone? I think it was a trombone. Uh, where, where as soon as as soon as he took it as soon as Tina Fey's character in his body took it away and just did, mm-hmm. like as a throwaway just said oh fine you're quitting whatever she said oh well actually let me just play this for you really quick I've been working on it and then you realize that that's the reason why that little girl is there is because mm. she actually wanted to play she wouldn't have been working on it all that time if she actually wanted to quit like and she wouldn't be so well, ready to grab not. it no, no, like, no, like it was just it was just a kid being a kid. And yeah. and that and that's uh, and being unsure of themselves because there's no more a time that you're unsure of yourself than when you're a teenager. <laughs> and, well, but then there's but there's also that you know you never know what's going on somebody in their in their own lives and you yeah. never know you know what they're dealing with what if they've been bullied that day or if they've had an issue with their family and they're just reaching out and needing that validation because of you know maybe the the piece of music she's doing or or something she's written or just whatever it is and yeah. that you know. It could just be another adult saying like, yeah, you're going to be okay, kid. And then then they can go back and deal with whatever they're dealing with, whether they tell you what's actually going on or not. Yeah, like I agree with that. Like like I I connected to that on on a level of like being a kid again and Mm. pursuing something and never really being sure until I heard it out loud. Like sometimes like because like I didn't have parents that went you know, like I didn't have like easy trophy parents that just went like, great job. Unless I did a great job, I didn't get reassurance. Like they went, no, do it again. Like, so like every now and then you just need someone to be in your corner and listen to you uh, Mm -hmm. do your thing and, and, you know, enjoy it along with you for a couple of minutes (laughs) rather than like, you know, because the world is so cynical. And the world is, is. so and like I, ready I to tear you happened. down. Yeah. Like maybe it's always been this way, but it's like I, I can't stand it. I it's, just, yeah, it's always been know. this way. <laughs> I know it's irritating. I, it's it, so. yeah. But yeah, like I, I loved it. I thought it was overall a great movie. I, it was such a surprise. That's why. That's why we need artists to keep making movies like this to let yeah. us reassure us and let us know about the good bits. Yeah. And, and, and I think it did that. The yeah. bits. Now we circle right <laughs> back around to the bits. The, the, the tidbits. Bits. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all know y'all love my bits. <laughs> Everybody go watch Soul. Yes. It's, a good, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's a great it's, movie. It's just a good movie. Uh, Sorry, you know, it's, it's not. Yeah. They're great too. They got a lot of soul. Whatever. Aww. Aww. 
So I think we're all a bunch of softies, uh, and I think this this got to all of us. Like, like I was, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know anything it, about Soul. I I never oh. really saw a trailer before. Like, I literally had seen nothing. I was just like, sure, yeah, why I not? Was near sight unseen as well. Oh, yeah. that's fine. So like, I, I like that's right why I was it. just like, what is this? That's I what, love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I I was very excited by the end of this movie. I was like, this is amazing. And, I'm glad I can keep and, surprising. And, and musically things. speaking, well done. Yeah. yeah. No, like I oh, keep keep throwing things at me. Like I, I, I keep to my video game world, dude. Like you're the animation girl. Like I, I keep to my, my, my Xbox, and, and my app games. Yeah. So enjoy. just keep keep bringing me joy. I'll I'll keep bringing it to Joe, since that's that's my Aww. job. You know, as mm-hmm. as as the guardian of all all his laughter. <laughs> Joe <laughs> or laughter. Joe just grumbled. That like the old man grumble came out of Joe right now. He's like, mm. well, see, this is why we're states away because like I don't want to be within slapping distance of Joe. Like like like, 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 like this is called a safeguard. Like, oh my like, god! Like ah, oh. he does he does slap really well, just right across the face. Like I like I I knew we were meant for each other because because I knew I could take a punch. So. No lord. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> live! Uh, what was that quote from Princess Bride? Life's not fair. Anybody I thought it was Mowage. Different Mowage <laughs> is selling mm-hmm. something. Mowage. Oh God! Well, to people to, I, I thought it was my name was Enrico Mentoya. You killed my father. Prepared to, <laughs> to die. Prepared to die. Yeah. yeah. We're now we're just slap happy. Like, like, I know. <laughs> all right, it's time. It's time. It's time Better to say to goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, this, this was so much fun. Yeah, yeah this was great. Fun times. All right. Well, it was good. Um, so who's, who's, whose turn is it next week? It's, it's Joe's, Joe's turn. turn. It's comic what book week. Uh, what do you want to talk about, Jack? Week. Man, I want to talk about. If you say DC, I will reach through this computer. No, I mean, I could. Let's talk about European comic books. Ooh, Black This Sad. time. So I watched uh, the Carl Urban uh dread movie yesterday oh yeah just kind of <gasps> background so good and i freaking loved it it was great <laughs> and if i've seen it before but i it, it didn't get old on me just no. because it was so much closer to the comic book than the stallone version which i also I enjoy. loved it i liked the stallone version too mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> you know, um being a huge fan of 2000 ad and all that other kind of stuff um and I've got it, uh, which can also plug into the uh, Fifth Element stuff as well, because oh. Mobius was a European comic. I guy can't wait for Mobius to come out. Uh, a god among us when it turn when it comes to making s- super stylistically slick cool. comic books. Uh, well, so yeah, Tintin, Adventures of Tintin, and we can go all the way back. I, to, I have some French comic book yeah. uh, titles that I would love to bring to the table next week. Yeah, throw it down. Yeah. So you guys just want to do international comics next week? That's yeah, we can perfect. do that and just kind of play some of our favorites yeah. or his favorite, good. Favorite, favorite titles and or artists because uh, Europe has a has a love for their artists mm-hmm. just as much as they do their titles. They give them is, a lot longer to work on the comics oh, too. Yeah. That way, they, and the graphic oh, yeah. novels they look a lot more rich. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, they yeah. don't need to mm-hmm. oversaturate the market to satisfy the American audience. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Damn Americans. Next week we are reviewing international comics. I'm I'm actually really excited cool. by that. Uh, I am all right, too. yay. So uh Very thank good. you guys for listening to The Last Draw. I am Asa Paints. Mm-hmm. I'm Sandy Scribbles. And I'm Joe Draws. And we will see you next week. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye bye.